Ezekiel is taken by the Lord to the valley of dry bones. That's the first point to note. It's an incredibly dry place. It is a lifeless place. We're told that the bones themselves are very dry. To put that in context, I once visited Masada in the early morning. Masada is the place where uh, the Jews held out against the Romans for many years before their final defeat. And it is by the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea itself is 400 metres below sea level. It's an incredibly dry place, heavy place, because the atmospheric pressure is greater. And in that place, we're told, it is very dry. During the two hours we were there, arriving in, in the very first dawn, in the two hours we were there, we were told in that June day to drink at least two litres of water. Why? Because it's so dry, as soon as you sweat, uh, it evaporates. So you don't feel hot, but you're quickly becoming dehydrated. So in two hours, you have to drink two litres of water and not need to go to the loo because you're becoming dehydrated all the time. So that's the first thing to realise about this place to which God takes Ezekiel. It is incredibly dry, so dry it's inhospitable to life. The longer Ezekiel stays there, the greater the risk of him dying. It is a lifeless place, inhospitable to life. Second thing to note about this place, it is a place of utter defeat. Wherever he goes, he sees not bodies, he sees bones. He sees disarticulated bones. These are not skeletons, it's just bones scattered everywhere. This is a place of complete and utter defeat. And the third thing related to that is this is an unholy place. Ezekiel is a priest. Uh, he had to stay in a place of ritual purity throughout his life to be able to do his job. He wasn't allowed to touch dead bodies. Everywhere he goes in this place, it is utterly unholy to him. It's not just a place where it's dry and lifeless and inhospitable to life. It's not just a place of utter defeat. This is a place of unholiness because the defeat has been so comprehensive and complete that nobody has ever come back to this place to bury the dead. They have just been left where they died. So this is an unholy place. So Ezekiel has a chance to wander around at the Lord's request. And then the Lord says to him in this place, this place of lifelessness, this place of utter defeat, this place of unholiness, he is asked this question, uh, can these dry bones live? It's a massive question to put to Ezekiel. In this place where everything looks utterly lost, utterly broken, beyond repair, in this place where actually can there be any hope, can there be any life in this place? The Lord says to him, son of man, can these bones live? In a way, Ezekiel plays for time. He says, sovereign Lord, only you know. That's quite cunning, really. He's, he's, he's not denying that the Lord can do anything, but he's standing in this place of utter horror, of utter lifelessness and defeat, that actually it's just hard to hold together what he knows to be true with what he believes is possible. So he plays for time. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. But he's not allowed to be passive. 
He's not allowed to just just you know, have an, an affirmation of faith. He is challenged to, to bring what he knows to be true to life, he, to, to bring what he tr- knows to be true into reality. He is told to prophesy to these bones to these unburied bones, to these unconsecrated bones, to these bones which represent utter defeat, as did their, the reality of their lives in exile, as did the reality of captivity in Babylon, to these bones, utterly dry with not a shred of life in them, to these bones, Ezekiel is told to prophesy. He's not allowed to be passive in this miracle. He is actually challenged to be part of God's solution. He's challenged to speak life into the situation. And so he does. He prophesies to the bones as he had been directed. And then we see this extraordinary picture of bones coming together, sorting out from the different skeletons, coming together into separate bodies and then being clothed with tendons and ligaments and flesh and skin, arising before him a vast army in this place of complete defeat, in this place of horror and unholiness, in this place where there seemed to be no possibility of a way forward, Ezekiel prophesies and suddenly before him stands a vast army. The Lord is saying, I am sovereign, sovereign even over life and death. I am sovereign. I can make a way in the wilderness. I can make even your valley of Achor, which is a, a, t- a place of complete defeat and desolation, even there, even there I can bring hope. But it's kind of paused. Part of me wonders whether Ezekiel started prophesying and then is really rather startled by what's happening around him. And and maybe his his words just faded as he watched it all happen. But there's a vast army standing in front of him, but there is no life. For the second time, Ezekiel is challenged to speak what he knows to be true into life, into reality. He is told to prophesy to the breath which comes from the four winds, comes and fills this mighty army and brings them to life. It has to be that sense of God's life and God's breath coming to them. Of course, it's a reminder of the creation story in Genesis where first God fashions the body, but then he breathes life into them. It reminds us also of John 20, 22 on Easter day when the risen Lord Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's that sense of us bringing, uh, being brought into new life in Christ. And then the Lord says to Ezekiel, basically, Say to, the, say to the people in exile, they're saying our bones are dried, we're cut off, we have no hope. Tell them this, I will bring my spirit and place it upon you. I will call you back from the four winds to, to be once again rooted in Israel. He is saying beyond despair, beyond defeat, beyond the horror and the unholiness of disarticulated piles of unburied bodies, beyond that, beyond that, I have a way. Beyond that, I will make a way in the wilderness. Beyond that, I will bring life into the slain. 
And of course, that brings us as children of the new covenant of grace. That brings us to the reality of the resurrection from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead on Easter Day, we are promised new life. Not promised new life, but shown that new life is possible beyond defeat, beyond hopelessness, beyond despair. So when we hear these words, we, we hear them with that reality in mind that we know that the Lord has done this. Has done this not just for Lazarus, not just for Jairus' daughter, but for Jesus himself. So we know we stand on that reality as we look at a passage like this and we remember that God makes a way in the wilderness. God restores hope where there is utter despair and God can bring into an unholy, horrible situation uh, grace and life and empowerment. That's what this passage tells us for such a time as this. There is a way in the wilderness. There is hope beyond despair. There is power and grace and uh, love that can be breathed into us afresh. When we take what we believe to be true and speak it into the world around us. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, first, I think it invites us to live in hope, not fear. This has been a scary year. The recent announcement that um, there were new curbs on social gatherings uh, didn't feel like a big thing, but in another way it did, because after months of liberalisation of the rules, this was the first apparent turning of the tide. And I think it's shaken us. But we must live in hope, not fear. The risen Lord Jesus is present with us by his Spirit. That means even though we might feel in a place of defeat and confusion and, and oh my word, what's next? We have to remember his presence with us. We have to remember that we are comforted so that we can comfort others by the risen Lord. We have to remember that the resurrection is the final word because it shows us there is hope beyond death, hope beyond despair. That's what Easter is about. So even if you're a bit rocked that actually some that the path out of lockdown is going to be even longer than you thought it might be remember the resurrection and remember the presence of the lord jesus with you by his spirit and live in faith live in hope not fear second thing i think this this prophecy beautifully describes this god's purpose draws all things together bone to bone, tendon to bone, muscle and flesh, and then covered with skin, and then the life breathes into it. This, this is a tricky time. We've seen all kinds of changes. We've seen all kinds of uh, regulations to which we need to respond and which we continue to need to respond. And yet we trust that God's purpose will come together uh, through all of these changes, despite all of these changes, that new life and new empowerment will come. So 
that's a, one of those things we have to take on trust in this moment. Like Ezekiel, he has the belief, but oh, sovereign Lord, only you alone know. He has to take that belief and speak it into being, speaking into reality and take it into his, into his being. That's, what I think, what we have to do today. We have to take the faith that we have and speak it into being, speaking into being through, through prayer, speaking into being through worship, speaking into being through prophecy. We have to take the truth that we know and make it real for those around us in the power of the Spirit and through the grace of God. So where have you lost trust that God's purpose is at work in your life? Uh, ask that the Lord will open your eyes to see it. Jesus said, I only do I do what I see the Father doing. So invite the Lord to open your eyes so that you can see what he is doing in around you. And once you can see it, then you can get involved. God's purpose draws everything together. And the third thing is, as we remember from John 20, 22, as we remember from Ezekiel 37, the material is one thing. Uh, the, the, the breath that comes into us is another. So God's breath, the Holy Spirit, brings life. So where do you need new life? Where do you need a, a, a renewed sense of God's presence and God's power at work within you and around you? Receive the Holy Spirit, the risen Lord Jesus said. Prophesy to the breath, Ezekiel was told. So let's pray that we will see a, a renewed sense of God's presence and God's power in our midst. Receive the Holy Spirit. These are challenging times. They continue to be challenging times. We need to live in hope, not fear. We need to trust that God's purpose will draw all things together. And we need to know that God's breath brings life and receive the Holy Spirit. Amen.